Dragon's Ears. Hey, Earwolf Presents. I'm Cassie Jerkins, one of the producers of the new Dragons AF, and I'm here with Dungeon Master Chuck Ma. Hey, guys. How's it going? Chuck is going to tell us a little bit about Dungeons & Dragons, also known as D&D, in case you've never played before, but you want to enjoy this month of Earwolf Presents. So thank you, Chuck, for coming in and telling us more about D&D. No problem. Uh, Thanks for having me. I had a blast doing the show, and so did uh, all my friends, and we're happy and hope you like it. Yay! So the big question what is D&D? Wow, that's a huge question. Uh, very broad. <laughs> um, but I guess simply put, it's a tabletop role-playing game mm-hmm. where uh, each person plays a different character and it's run by a dungeon master, a DM, or a game master GM, uh, depending on what you want to call it. Everybody has a different character. Uh, characters do certain actions, and those actions, the success or failure of those actions are dictated by your stats in the role of different kinds of dice. And depending on how good your stats are, your probability of making that action happen is better or worse. Cool. Does that cover most of it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I know for me, like when I think Dungeons and Dragons, I think showing up at someone's house with a bunch of snacks yeah. and um, maybe like the dungeon master is probably the expert in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, If you're playing a board game, but the board game is your friend who's the dungeon master. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you've ever played any kind of computer game or video game, imagine you're playing the character in the computer game and all the choices you make and the systems that are happening are dictated by mostly the dungeon master and the Mm -hmm. rules in place. So the dungeon master is kind of like the computer uh, or the PlayStation that's like running the game yeah. for you. It's nice because it gives you more flexibility on things totally. that happen. Yeah, and it's just fun hanging out with friends and eating, <laughs> eating a lot of <laughs> eating snacks. Lots of snacks, yeah. Um, and uh, things that can happen in D and D, anything can happen. Your character can do anything, and it's up to the characters and the dungeon master to kind of make things like work. Mm-hmm. Also, it's kind of like group storytelling in a way mm-hmm. where everyone is building this narrative and story together with these system and rules in place to help guide you, if anything. Yeah, so I know in our show and in D&D, there's lots of dice rolls. And can we like break that down a little bit? Yeah, ton of dice rolls, um, <laughs> lots of rules. Let's talk about a few of them so that people will know what the hell I'm saying <laughs> or yeah. what the hell we're referencing uh, in the podcast. So it seems like if a character says, okay, I want to attack this other character, you tell them to roll dice to see if it hits or if their action is successful or not. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's good rolls and bad rolls. Okay, uh, let's, <laughs> let's break it down. So yeah. one of the most important dice in D&D is the D20. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 20-sided dice. So when you roll this dice, you would add whatever modifier to it. So for example, let's say you're trying to convince somebody of something. Mm-hmm. You would roll the d20 and add uh, your charisma modifier, which is like how charismatic you are. Mm-hmm. And then some other mathematical stuff that um, has to do with your character. And then once you roll it, you add that to the roll and you have to beat a certain difficulty. So let's say the difficulty is 15. 
mm-hmm. and you roll the dice and you roll a 10, mm-hmm. but let's say you had like a plus six because all the other stuff. Then you roll 16 and you successfully convince the other person. Got so it. a lot of the rolls are based on that. We're mm-hmm. having some sort of difficulty, even to hit is like an armor class that you have to beat yeah. in order to successfully do the action that you want. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into more about characters and how each character has like specific stats like some are more charismatic than others mm-hmm, definitely some wear armor some, and some don't and some don't <laughs> depending on the class depending if you're like a wizard wizards mm-hmm. usually tend to have less armor class or easier mm-hmm. to hit and wear softer armor they can't wear heavy armor yeah. and fighters usually wear heavier armor yeah so they're harder to hit. i kind of think of how like the fighters with the heavier armor they're like right up there attacking somebody or uh-huh. a wizard's more like far back casting spells. So. Oh, I have a good analogy for this. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, <laughs> if you know sports, mm-hmm. so think football, Yeah. right? So you have the people, I don't know football that well. <laughs> But, uh, Perfect analogy. For, yeah, so football, you have like your big dudes in the front, mm-hmm. right? And they're blocking for your quarterback. Yeah. Your quarterback, your runner, and your receiver, right? Mm-hmm. So the big dudes in the front are kind of like fighters, right? Mm-hmm. They're tough. They take the, the brunt hits. of the hits of yeah. damage to protect the people in the back, which is your quarterback who's, you know, not dealing damage, but they're trying to score. Yes. They're kind of like a wizard or your typical range damage dealer. So the front line is like your warriors. Mm-hmm. Your quarterback is kind of like your wizards or like sorcerers or, you know, like archers. And yeah. you, and then you have your runners who are kind of in receivers who are kind of like close-up damage dealers, like your yeah. assassins or mm-hmm. uh, your close-range fighters who do yeah. damage. Like, it's kind of like that. It's like okay. a loose analogy yeah. for all you football heads out there. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of football listeners. So thank you for that. In the show, we do hear you say things like nat 20. What does that mean? So a nat 20. So like we were talking about earlier, we have a 20 Mm -hmm. second die. So when you roll a nat 20, it's the highest roll you can get. So we call that a nat 20. And usually that means you succeed no matter what. No matter what. There are some instances where it's still not a success <laughs> if the if the difficulty is like super high and it's like yeah. a specific situation. But usually it means that you hit no matter what or this happens no matter what. And so when you say not 20, everyone gets really excited because mm-hmm. that usually means like whatever you did worked. It, it worked. Uh, no matter how bad you are at it. For example, it's like, uh, let's say I'm asking a girl out mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be charismatic, yeah. but I'm not, I'm like not a charismatic, I'm like not confident. <laughs> but for some reason, I said the exact right thing in the moment, got lucky, mm-hmm. and the girl is, saw me for who I am <laughs> and is, <laughs> is super into it. Um, it's kind of like those instances where just luck just takes over in life, you know, uh-huh, even if yeah. you're, uh, I don't play basketball that much, but I can maybe make a half court shot yeah. once in a while. That's a nat 20. Perfect. And then a dirty 20. A dirty 20. I don't know if this is, <laughs> I don't know if dirty 20 is like a, a real phrase. Okay. I think it might be just something that came up in the D&D community or even just at our table. Mm-hmm. But uh, it means it's not a natural 20. You didn't roll a 20, but you rolled the dice and all the math stuff that we were talking about earlier, your modifier, your mm-hmm. proficiency bonus, all that stuff added together means 20. So sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it doesn't, but that's what a dirty 20 is. Got it. What's a saving roll? Saving throw? Yeah, saving throw. So saving throw is a bit different. So saving throw is, so usually you roll to see if you can do something. Mm -hmm. A saving throw, when I tell a character to roll saving throw, it means 
they have to roll to see if the thing doesn't happen to them. So, for example, in-game, let's say I cast a spell to try to bewitch you, try to enchant you, Uh or some type of mind spell. You would roll a wisdom saving throw to try to resist this spell that's coming onto you. Let's say the saving throw is 15. Okay. So you'd have to roll above a 15 mm-hmm. to resist this thing coming at you. Uh-huh. It's different than like doing something to someone's more. Got it. Think about more like a resisting an effect happening to you. Cool. So we were talking about the D20 dice, mm-hmm. but there are times where I could hear the roll and it sounds like multiple dice. Okay. And what does that mean? Okay. So um, we'll talk about the term for it a little bit too. So let's say you're a sneaky rogue thief character and you hit someone with a sneaky attack and I tell you to roll 5d6. Mm-hmm. That means I want you to roll 5d6 means like six-sided dice. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you hear someone roll a bunch of dice, it just means that it's doing a lot of damage. Oh. Like uh, uh, if, you're roll- if you're doing a fireball, it's like a bunch of D6 as well, mm-hmm. or I think so, D6. I have to double check. Uh-huh. Um, but it means that it's doing a lot of damage, so we have to roll a lot of dice to Got add it. it up to see how much damage you're actually doing. But it works for a lot of things. Sometimes it's like a multiple D8s, which mm-hmm. is a eight-sided dice. Sometimes it's a D12s, which is a 12-sided dice. But that's usually the phrasing that you use for it. Let's move on to battling. Cool. Um, So there are a few instances, and there's going to be more, where you say roll initiative. And -hmm. what does that mean? So roll initiative means it's really exciting because that means battle is about to start. Mm -hmm. So roll initiative means just everyone's going to roll a d20, Mm -hmm. and you're going to add your initiative, which is usually tied to how dexterous you are. It's a Mm -hmm. dexterity thing. And it's just seeing who goes first in the turn. So cool. we need to, in D&D, if everyone just went whenever they wanted to, <laughs> it would be pretty chaotic. Yeah. So you roll initiative to see like who goes first and who goes last. Mm-hmm. It's actually, for those that want to play D&D, it's actually a really important role because a lot can happen in the first round. Mm-hmm. So having a good initiative role can kind of determine what goes on in the battle. Uh-huh. Let's say you roll initiative and you roll bad in initiative and this wizard rolls above you and then casts like some type of spell that turns you against your party. And then oh. all of a sudden you're hitting your friend Yeah, um, and it takes you out of the battle. So it's a pretty important role, but that's, mm-hmm. it's just to decide what order we're going in. Yeah. So something that's a part of battles, but also just regular live in your D&D <laughs> life is having advantage and disadvantage. Can mm-hmm. you explain that? So advantage and disadvantage. Sometimes when uh, you're rolling for something and you're in an advantageous situation, let's say someone's caught off guard, the DM will give you advantage or the rules will say that you have advantage, which just means you roll two D20s and you choose the higher roll. So it just means that, oh, you're in a good situation. Yeah. Let's go back to the asking a girl out. Let's say this girl's already heard about you from their friends and they're like (laughs) talking you up. So you have advantage on this roll. So you roll twice and choose the higher roll. Disadvantage is the opposite where Mm -hmm. you roll two dice and choose the lower roll. So this girl does know about you, but Uh all her friends are saying bad things. Yeah, they're saying don't don't, date this guy. Don't don't talk to him. (laughs) Then you're going to roll a disadvantage, roll two d20s and choose Mm -hmm. the lower roll. Mm-hmm. And is that something based on your character or the DM in the situation would 
choose advantage or disadvantage? It's based off the DM, but a lot of times there'll be it'll be a rule for it. Mm-hmm. For example, if you catch someone off guard or they're lying down and you're attacking them with a melee weapon or, you know, some sort of class or class specific thing that gives you advantage on it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it will be the DM's kind of purview mm-hmm. to give it to you if there's no rules for it. Like if I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anything to say, but if it's, you know, the person is just thinking about something else or yeah. your uh, specific situation feels like it's an advantage or disadvantage, mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, the DM will usually kind of let you do it. But sometimes it can be just like a feeling, you know, mm-hmm. just like, um, this feels like a situation where I can give this person an advantage because okay. the circumstances feel right for it. Cool. All right, let's get into characters. Now, for Dragons AF, all of our cast, they created their characters? Yes. And they did so before coming in for the first day of recording, too. Yes, we had a session zero Mm -hmm. uh, where we all got together and everyone rolled for their stats and chose their class and background and uh, race beforehand so that when we came in, everyone had a full character sheet that they can just use and get to playing right away. Cool. So I'll definitely share a character sheet on Earwolf's Instagram page so you can see it because it's very like specific. So did each of the cast members decide their race and class before rolling stats or is that something you do first? I think we decided race and character first, but there are situations where you want to roll your stats and then decide later. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what the player wants. Yeah. I would say most people decide first and then roll later. Got it. And it's probably good for everyone to be in the same room so you don't end up with like seven rogues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that could be cool. Though. I mean, I think for me, I'm like, whatever you want to play. I, uh-huh. I think some people like having like a balanced different party. Yeah. But I think it can be fun if you have like eight bards and uh-huh. it's just like a traveling theater group, like, you know, <laughs> or it's like we're in a band and we're just mm-hmm. all bards. I think most players like feeling you know, special. Like they like feeling like their character is different from everyone else's. So having different classes and different races helps there. Mm -hmm. Um, But you could have like a bunch of like orc barbarians and and still have like a really fun time. It just depends on how you want to play it. Yeah. Cool. How about we go through each of the characters and you can explain more what each character is for people who don't know. For instance, with Alfred Aquino's character, Honeydew, who is a changeling bard panda. Okay, so they're a changeling. So Alfred's character can morph into different shapes. They're a shapeshifter, and that's just baked into their race. Mm -hmm. As a changeling, they can change size a little bit, but Mm -hmm. not too much, which... Alfred runs into a bit of trouble there, (laughs) and it has to be a humanoid type of character that they're trying to look like. And they are a... Bard? Bard. So bards are fun. Bards are like performers, so they can be anywhere between a musician to a dancer, and they derive their magic from their charisma as well. And it's usually less of um, studying and more of kind of like a natural thing they're in tune with. Um, Sometimes it's described as they just pick up stuff as they like travel the world and perform or they uh, 
tap into the magic of music or like creativity or performance and that's how they get their magic. Mm-hmm. But for Alfie's character, I call him Alfie, but uh, for <laughs> Alfie's character, it's definitely music and uh, performance and the magic of creation is where he gets his power. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about Jane Kim's character, Cynthia Slick, <laughs> who's a human rogue. Yeah. So Cynthia is a human rogue and rogues are, a human is, you know, just a kind of what we are, I guess. <laughs> it's uh, just a human. So we don't have to delve too much into explaining that uh, race. <laughs> the rogue is, uh, think of like a sneaky character, your go-to little thief character or assassin character, someone who works in intrigue and is usually really has high dexterity so they can, you know, sneak around and uh, use weapons that are more based off of like finesse than um, strength. So it'd be like daggers and, you know, rapiers and short swords. But yeah, just a sneaky character doing sneaky things. Cool. Very fun. And then we have Jed Alcantara playing Dahan Din, a duende wizard. First off, we reflavored some of the races mm-hmm. to more reflect Asian mythos mm-hmm. and uh, lore and culture. So Duende is based in uh, Filipino lore mm-hmm. um, and also some Latin American countries, I think, as well. Duendes are, uh, we're mapping it onto gnomes, basically, mm-hmm. in terms of mechanical stats. A wizard is, you know, your typical Gandalf, you know, pointy hat type of (laughs) situation that you see in media. Their magic comes from study. So Uh it's based off how intelligent they are. They've read a ton of books. They go to college. They, you know, have really good grades and they delve into kind of the academic side of magic. And that's where they get their magic from. It's less like innate. It's more studied. Cool. So in episode two, we're going to meet three more characters. Let's talk about them for people who want to know who they are. And if not, stop listening and come back later. (laughs) You don't have to listen to this. Go (laughs) do go listen to that. Yes. So let's talk about Tony Garbanzo's character, Milo Ovaltine, Serengay Hexplay Warlock. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the Serengay is a Filipino word for a minotaur, a Filipino version of a minotaur. So we use the stats of a minotaur to let him embody that. Cool. Um, so Hexblade Warlock is, okay, it's his class, but it's his class and subclass. Okay. Since we started at a higher level, you get your class, which is a warlock, and your subclass, which mm-hmm. is a Hexblade, which is like a sub-unit, sub-version of a that warlock. class of, uh-huh. of Warlock. Do you happen to know, like, what Hexblade specifically gives to a Warlock? Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, but I didn't know if we wanted to dive I, I'm in. a little curious. Okay, so <laughs> we're playing 5th edition, and I think when this podcast comes out, the next edition won't be out yet. So we're playing 5th edition, and a Hexblade Warlock is a Warlock who specializes in using weapons as well. So... Something fun about that is instead of using like your strength or dexterity to dictate how good you are with a weapon, they use their charisma. Mm. So it's weird, but the way I like to frame it for my mind is they're so strong in their personnel and they're so confident they can channel that confidence into their magic and then the magic helps them fight better with their weapon. Wow. So they bond themselves to a specific weapon, and then they no longer have to use strength or dexterity. It's like their magic 
that like lets them be mm-hmm. proficient with it. Can you explain what a warlock is? Okay, so a warlock is a magic user, but mm-hmm. their um, magic doesn't come from their faith or kind of how much they study, which is what a wizard is, or some natural bloodline that they have in their body. A warlock, they are kind of like, give me a second, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. They're kind of like um, people who have a sugar mama or sugar daddy uh-huh. uh, that gives them magic, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's they bond themselves, they write a contract with a patron, mm-hmm. uh, with a patron, which is some sort of entity that isn't a god or goddess. If it's like a really powerful angel, and they sign a contract with this angel, and they can borrow some of this angel's mm. power, or the devil, or a demon, or like some other world entity that's like floating in space that's ultra powerful. They bond themselves with these like really powerful entities that aren't gods, and then they borrow some of their power that way. But then usually the contract makes you have to do stuff, mm. like you're you're beholden to this like entity, which I guess you can say the same for people who serve gods, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit more, it can become a little bit more complicated. Ooh, interesting. All right, let's move on to Alan Pintal's character. I love Alan's character. Binda, mm-hmm. who is a halfling druid. Yeah, so we didn't reflavor Minda's character because she really liked a halfling. Mm-hmm. She's a halfling, which are kind of like hobbits mm-hmm. in like Lord of the Rings. They're short, they're just like humans, but like half the size, <laughs> but her character is a druid, and I think she was a Circle of the Land druid, mm-hmm. which is a druid that specializes in spells. Mm. So what a druid is, a magic user that's in touch with nature, so all her or his or theirs uh, magic is tied to the natural world. So think, you know, summoning animals or mm-hmm. like summoning veins to like stop this person from moving, you know, like natural spells versus, let's say, a necromancer who's like summoning undead. Although there is a version of that for Druid. We don't have to get into it. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, it's a kind of a natural order type of in tune with nature type of magic user. And a fun thing with them is they can shape shift as well into animals, like they Mm -hmm. can turn into bears and rats, anything really, deer, just any animal you want. Nice. Let's move on to Alex Songshi's character, Dashiell Tu. Yeah. Who is a Haragon Paladin blood boy. Oh, yeah. Um, so we did try to reflavor the Haragon as a jade rabbit. Um, mm-hmm. They're rabbits in, like, I know in Chinese lore, but also I think Japanese and Korean as well. There are rabbits that live on the moon mm-hmm. that uh, make mochi. <laughs> uh, Delicious. It's, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> but it's uh, sort of based off that kind of lore. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so a paladin blood boy. So a paladin is a kind of warrior for God, warrior for religious warrior. They are fighters, but they also have divine magic, which is uh, magic based on your belief in a god or... Mm-hmm in a, a certain kind of order or way you see the world. And you dedicate yourself so strongly to this thing that you develop these like divine powers. So it's kind of like a warrior priest, if mm-hmm. you want to kind of picture that. Blood Boy is Alex's occupation in the, the Scarlet Dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, collect blood after every um, battle. You can see where that leads to in the podcast. I won't spoil anything. Great. Yeah. So those are our characters. I do want to speak a little bit more about being a dungeon master <laughs> and 
What is that like? And how are you planning things and thinking off the cuff when characters are throwing a lot of creative moves at you? Well, I think it's the funnest part about playing D&D is that you can have such unexpected moments. And it's hard to pinpoint. For me, it's more of a feeling. Mm -hmm. I think some DMs, they just have like a wealth of plans. Like Mm -hmm. they just planned everything. They have a lot of uh, contingency plans on like what might happen and Mm -hmm. a lot of like branching storylines in their head. I do plan a lot, but sometimes your players will just do such weird things (laughs) that you can't really plan for it. So you have to kind of think on your toes about stuff. But the main thing for me is that you want your players to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you want them to have fun and enjoy themselves while they're playing, whether or not it's, you know, a sadder moment or a sadder beat or a moment that they're going to get mad. Mm-hmm. You still want them to enjoy being immersed, right? Yeah. So I think as long as you're aiming towards that goal, you're in a good place. If you're trying to tell like a specific story, for me, I have like tricks I do where it's, okay, so I had this encounter planned over mm-hmm. here. I don't think we're going to go over here Hmm. because of the decisions. I'll take aspects of that encounter and kind of slip it into a separate encounter that is Mm. happening so Mm -hmm. that I didn't waste a bunch of time, like, you know, planning Planning, like a cave battle. A cave battle. Everybody's in a bar now. (laughs) Yeah. And and everyone's just like chilling in a bar. It's like, well, I guess I can maybe like, like move this here and see what happens there. But you do have to be kind of open. The more open you are to, kind of shifting things around, the more fun you'll have, even as a DM. Because there are times when you're like, oh man, I just am completely don't know like (laughs) where we are. And like now I had this whole thing planned over here and now we're just swimming, (laughs) like, you know, in in this other place. And uh, you just have to like be on your toes. And if you're having fun and your players are having fun, I think that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of storytelling It is like a group storytelling thing. So I think feeding off your players is good too, right? So if they're throwing stuff at you and you can like catch it and kind of like, oh, well, that's going to, if I can like make that work with this, Mm -hmm. then we can create this other thing. So you're like surprising yourself even as you're going. Mm -hmm. And I think having a good understanding of the rules helps because being able to apply systems to unexpected events will help you kind of like navigate those strange waters Mm -hmm. as you're going but yeah as long as everyone's having a good time for doing a good job yeah and i definitely think with this campaign everyone has a blast (laughs) i'm happy i was nervous (laughs) um i've never played uh dnd on a like a tight clock you know having to make sure that we get everything in on a certain time is a lot harder than uh it seems but i didn't want to feel like I was rushing them and stuff, yeah. but like having the time clock was definitely something that was new. Something different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was fun, though. It kind of made things exciting towards mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, definitely. So the next episode comes out on Friday, and we hope you enjoy this month of Earwolf Presents with Dragons AF. Please watch. Everyone's really funny in it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Dragons AF. I'm your host and Dungeon Master Chuck Ma. Our band of characters were played by comedians Jed Alcantara, Alfred Aquino II, Tody Garbanzos, Jane Kim, Alan Pintal, and Alex Songsha. 
Dragons AF is an Earwolf production produced by senior producers Cassie Jerkins and Josh Richmond. Our audio engineer is Alex Gonzalez. Follow and subscribe to Earwolf Presents to hear new shows by your favorite comedians. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you made it all the way to the end, you're a beautiful person. If you're not hearing this voice, go to hell. Earwolf Presents is produced by Earwolf, Amelia Chapelo, and Cody Fisher. And of course, podcast daddy Colin Anderson himself. The Earwolf Presents series is hosted by the one and only myself, Jacquees Neal. And our theme music was engineered and sung by the amazing Jordan Duffy. Special thanks and shout-outs to Jeff Gross and Aaron Nestor. And for more information on Earwolf Presents, visit Earwolf.com and follow us at Earwolf on all social platforms. <laughs>